0: Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to the good, the bad, and the nerdy movie podcast. Uh, I'm your host Tom, again with Kevin. Hey, hey. what's going on guys? Hey, so uh, Kevin, uh, I thought we could do a George Lucas movie. You know, George Lucas has two movies on the AFI Top 100 list. Star Wars is one, what do you think the other one is?
1: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, guess that uh, it it is American Graffiti.
0: That's right, not empire strikes so though he didn't direct that so yeah uh so lucas had lucas has only directed maybe seven movies total and the uh and literally one of them is america graffiti on the top 100 list it's a personal favorite of mine um growing up my dad and i used to watch it a bunch uh, this was a very personal movie for him because he graduated in uh 64 uh, the movie set in 1962 so that would have been his junior year uh summer of his junior year so that was a glorious time for him like so many of uh i, I would call this, this is the ultimate boomer dad movie
1: <laughs> right and like this so, movie i think is a little um my dad was born in 55 so like the early 60s time period he was still a pretty young boy but like this movie um I love this movie by the way. And I think it's uh, I hadn't seen it in I bet I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. And and I think the thing that that stand that kind of drew me to it originally was that was about the time when I was probably fifteen or sixteen was about the time I was starting to get into uh uh I had seen Star Wars on the re like they had re-released. Um, uh, remember the late nineties they re-released Star Wars. Oh yeah. I right? was
0: The, the special us. editions or whatever.
1: And then, so my dad took my dad and I went to see those. And, um, and then, um, uh, I, uh, you know, around that time I had seen, I can't remember which came first, but I had, uh, there's an episode of the show Dawson's Creek, um, uh, that uh, I watched, I, I watched everybody watch that when I was in uh, high school. It was just like the biggest thing. Total yeah. lameo. I don't know. It might be good. I don't. Know, it might hold up. I don't know. But anyway, there's an episode. He's like, a, you know, the lead character in the show is kind of like a Spielberg nut, like a like a uh, kind of a sort of pop film yeah. culture yeah.
0: guy. Dawson wants to be the next big right. Movie director.
1: And there's an episode of, that references the. Um, the car scene where they where where richard drives his character ties up the car or the cop car um and there's a scene in that show that references that and i was like well i I think i'll watch that but then you know at the same time i remember my mom talking about this movie a lot my dad it was like i had reached this age where my both of my parents were kind of like hey you're a teenager now you should check this movie out i loved this movie and i wish that like like I loved this movie when I was a teenager you should watch it too um and then at the same time I watched day, Richard Linklater's Days of Confused for the first time which if you look at the, those two movies they are I would I yeah would say I mean for beat the same but boy howdy are they very closely tied to each
0: other yeah uh, the thing is okay so America Feet came out in 1973 Um uh, Days and Cues came out in 1993. So we're talking literally about a 20-year difference, and they have the almost the exact same structure, right. which is one night. Now, but, you know, the big difference is being, you know, one is set in the in the early, in 1962. One is set in uh, 1970s. Yeah, so uh, six, mid-70s, yeah. So we're talking a big, uh, I mean, we're only talking not that, you know, Fourteen-year difference, where literally the world has completely changed. So that's one of the things that's interesting about that. But sixty-two is unique. I mean, it wasn't just that was the year Lucas, you know, had graduated from um, high school, but it was also just sixty-two, right? You know, that's even, it's even before it's literally before the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? And, and both yeah. movies are
1: like this just nostalgic look back, right? Like this, yeah. what was what what was that memory of? Of being a teenager and having a little bit of freedom, and and um, or you're at a crossroads, you know, towards the end of yeah. your high school career, and you're, what are you going to do next? And you know, for these, for these, the you know, the main, uh, I guess this movie's kind of broken down by the four main characters, right? Like, yeah, the four guys, the four guys. It's, it's- so it's it's the Dreyfus character is, is I would heard. argue, is the lead and kind of the the one that. When I watch this movie, I am most interested, and I think we could talk a little bit about this. I'm most interested in the in the Kurt character, the Richard Dreyfus character, and the um Paul Lamotte character, uh, the drag texture yeah. with the hot rod. Yeah, uh John. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, what's his uh, John. Yeah. And I, I like I, yeah. those are the story. so of the four storylines, <laughs> I'm kind of more attached to those two and like really enjoy like I really enjoy Mackenzie Phillips's uh performance as the young the younger teenage girl who's yeah. the, who kind of gets john gets stuck with with her all night and and they kind of develop this sort of cute little bond and i i really love yeah. that um i love all four storylines um we can talk about each one of them if you want but I, those are the ones that yeah. i'm drawn to and i would imagine that the dreyfus character is kind of
0: sort of like a stand-in for george lucas would be would be well, my guess. what's interesting what's interesting I don't know if you've seen the documentary about the making. It's that all four characters are actually loosely based on right, some of of aspects you, of him. He, right. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, there are pictures of him where the what they decided to do is they took different pictures of him. And from from '62 to '64, he kind of went through multiple kind of like periods of his life because he he didn't want to go to college. Uh, he was kind, you know. So if you look at him, he, he uh, going out of uh, right as he graduated, he looked more like Toad. So he had more. Of, he was very nerdy. Then he kind of became like a. Uh, yeah, he kind of uh, started going to work on his own, so he kind of looked like Steve, and then he became a kind of a uh, cruiser, or drag racer like Milner. And then at the end, by the time he finally, after a bad car accident, he, he went to college and kind of adapted, uh, wound up looking more like Kurt. So it's kind of this neat kind of this evolution, which is part of the reason why it ends with Kurt going on uh, and uh, the rest staying behind. And I think that's a unique kind of, you know, it's a personal look at himself and the, the evolution of himself. Right.
1: And like, so like the Terry character, Terry the Tiger, if you will, is kind of, he's kind of uh, like the, knows, yeah. the uber nerdy version of George Lucas. And like, it's kind of bad with girls, but, you know, gets lucky every once in a while. And, 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 you know, that storyline's great. That actress is really good too. Uh, yeah, Candy, Candy Clark, Clark. She's, she's really good. Um, I, I love this. I, I don't know, man. I don't know how you want to start, but like, we could, we talked well, about I mean, Almost we last week, and, like, this is another movie that just is driven purely by music. Um, and I and I love that about it. The soundtrack is unreal. I can't imagine uh, what they spent on the
0: soundtrack. Well, the, the, it's funny. I was doing some research. He, he kept getting turned down by different movie studios because they didn't want this many songs in a movie. Because back in the early 70s and 60s, you didn't have a big movie. Uh, movies weren't just full of, like, exactly. songs. It was yeah. something... Yeah, I, the thing is, like, only him and, uh, I mean, the, it, it just came out in 73 at the same time as Mean Streets. And they, both him and Scorsese uh, did, the, did the same event. They used a lot of early 60s songs because they wanted to evoke a certain theme right. to it. And Lucas literally wrote the, uh, you know, in the screenplay, he's got these songs, you know, programmed in, you know, typed in. Like, this is what's on the radio as they're walking through. Because it helps explain some of their conversations, too, like that. So, uh, essentially, the movie starts as the sun's going down. You know, the, 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 basically the four friends would meet up at Mel's diner to, you know, reminisce. Steve and Kurt are about to li- literally the next morning leave to go to college. You know, Toad's sticking around. We don't know why he's not going, why he's sticking around. Uh, and Milner, I, I always get the impression Milner's older anyway. He's just kind of, he's been hanging around them for a lot longer. Milner has no intention of staying. He wants to go and he wants to stay. And basically be the king of the dragons. Yeah, he's right. like the he's like the McConaughey character in. Uh, I, you know a little bit. I, of. I would, yeah, kind of. He, but I wouldn't compare him directly to um, Wooderson because very different well, he's characters. Not a, he's you not get, a total dirt bag, so. <laughs> no, he he's not like you don't get the vibe he gets. I mean, he gets in trouble, but not that kind of trouble.
1: But he, but he is that guy like the great thing about this movie and, and it, that
0: is, that, is that
1: is that every kid every kid every group of boys like little clique of boys growing up in high school there's always that one dude that's like a year or two older a uh, little bit kind of edgy and cool but nice enough to where like he's not you know off-putting he's not like one of the pharaohs one of the gang the the little
0: greasy no. gang members. There. He could. I mean, the thing is, he could have, but he didn't. It wasn't his. He didn't feel like that was his thing either. He, he's literally meant to kind of cruise on right. his own. He's, 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 the true uh lone wolf. Even though he's got his friends, he's very much like I do my thing, and that's how I, I, I you know. He's got you know, that shop where you see inside his golf cart. He's got a lot of tickets, but nothing. He's, got, he doesn't do dangerous stuff he just kind of wants to do his own thing he wants you know he he gets his joys out of getting into races and that's right it's like his
1: that's like his little rebellion and and like that's you know that's the cool thing about about each one of these characters is that's really what we're seeing is like these little these little acts of rebellion right that that go through the movie i mean the plot of the movie is like you kind of started to do it but yeah it starts at sunset uh, you meet the four characters they, they pretty quickly kind of separate from each other and kind of go off on their own adventures. And they're pretty much separate from each other the rest of the night. I think there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of instances where they, they run back into each other, but then they separate again. And it's kind of like these individual journeys of the self, right? You know, like trying to figure out what's next. What are we going to do? We're done with school. Yeah. It's this town's boring. I want out of here. This town, I don't know. Actually, I kind of like being here. And the Dreyfus character is the one that's definitely Kurt is definitely the one that's like really on the fence and like really trying to like
0: yeah, push the hard for him. yeah he wants he, he kind of wants to go but he also was like do I really need to go should I go yeah it's and that's the thing a lot of people have at that age it's like where do I do I really belong in college do you know you know because Milner's made his decision he's not doing it we don't really know Toad's decision because I think that's kind of cases. We don't know if Toad was could get into college. We kind of get the vibe he's just one of those guys. Who just, you know, he's just kind of been kind of hanging on the, by his own luck with the guy. Yeah, and,
1: and kind and of neer do well. Not very good at school. Not
0: very good. Not very good looking. Not very. And, and kind of the opposite of the. Of... He has never hit the moment. And and the thing is that that's kind of. A, this night kind of almost is his moment, which is I think is interesting. Uh, and then we have uh, Steve, who he's literally the class president. He's like he's the popular. He's Mr. Right. Poppy. He's the and yeah, you know, it's it's kind of fun. Like he's the one who's most excited about leaving. He's got all these plans. You know, he's always thought he's always thought it in his head, or has he? That's the thing that I love about is it. like he's like okay, I got to break up. With uh, my girlfriend, and of course, that's Kurt's sister. So we get why Kim and Kurt have been friends for so long. Uh, you know, he's he's got his car. He he wants to make sure his car is protected, so it gives it to Toad. Like he gives an instruction how to take care of it. He's got it all planned. Like I've got tonight's my last night here. I'm gonna. I got goals. I got to get knocked out, and then I'm I hop on the plane to go.
1: Right, and it's you know what an interesting um, casting choice. You know, Ron Howard. Who, who up to that point, Ron, Ronnie Howard back then, who yep. up to that point had kind of this, you know, sort of squeaky clean image, and and he's kind of playing a
0: jerk in this movie, you know, kind of a, kind of a, yeah, he's not a... Richie. Cunningham. This is the opposite. This is, and that's what I love about this character is, you know, the fact that he does Happy Days literally the next year, it kind of shows where he, you know, yeah, he wanted to go a certain route, and it, what's also, of course. I, special is that him and Lucas develop a friendship that basically Lucas becomes his mentor, just as Coppola was Lucas's mentor, sure. and that goes uh, that goes on for decades. Right. So yeah, like so, I'm looking so, at I'm
1: looking at Ron Howard's uh, IMDb. I mean, he didn't he had just done like all kinds of TV as a from a you know as a little kid, right? Uh, and this is kind of his big coming out as a kind of more grown up actor.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, what's so he? I've heard, I've heard so many interviews like he wanted to direct. Watching Lucas direct really gave him some. Of he, he said like my best uh, training was watching George Lucas direct, and then Roger Corman giving him some jobs. Right. So he because you know, between working on Happy Days, he would do deals. He would do like low budget movies for Roger Corman because that was who he could get his, his uh, basically his jobs because you know people didn't trust him yet. Right,
1: and and that. And of course, Corman, you know, really plugged in a lot of, uh, you know, know, who, uh, uh, Jonathan Demi was really plugged in around the same time. Uh, Joe Dante, a lot,
0: a lot of, a lot of those big name directors all worked, you know, even Coppola all worked with him. And what's, uh, it's funny, this movie, you know, they pitched it to Roger Corman, he didn't get it either. Right. And and this movie was, was these, it was shot like basically over a month, all night shoots very tight budget they had you know the Haxler Wexler the famous uh, cinematographer he's listed as creative consultant because of a a, um, contract dispute he couldn't actually be officially the film cinematographer so he would show up at night basically to adjust the lighting which is what his uh, what he was uh, allowed to do but rather he he shot the film and Lucas and him were basically co-shooting it and it's such a special movie it's um and I love how it's shot too because you can that film stock doesn't exist anymore. It's like the way it's like that. The Godfather Two, the last of those films that kind of have that unique kind of way that a movie
1: works. Oh, it's beautiful, dude! It, it yeah. it's a, such a well visually well made film. I, I yeah, like I just love the visual aspects. The cars are all so cool. The the, oh, yeah. the editing is so good. Like it's just such a smooth pace, smoothly paced
0: movie. Yeah, it's such a great slice of life too, because it's like that's what you know being a teenager in the early 60s you just drove around you listen to music you talked, you occasionally got in a little bit of trouble you you tried to score alcohol and that scene alone is one of my favorite scenes where toad tries to go buy the alcohol so uh, if you haven't seen the movie uh, please watch it but uh toad picks up this girl he's never met before but she's very gorgeous he somehow manages to convince her to get in the car by making like one really uh, cheesy but successful pickup line and they drive they cruise around she wants to get alcohol and apparently she's way got a a reputation of being kind of a uh uh crazy wild girl or at least among some of the guys he's what's fun. he's never met her it's not a small town but it's not a big town either yeah it's i'm looking here it's
1: it's it's modesto california somewhere or yeah. yeah and so like that's george lucas i guess grew up in that area right Sort of control. Yeah, he grew up, like,
0: grew up a couple towns yeah. over, but yeah, Modesto, where they were where they were allowed to shoot. Like, uh, but yeah, that's also you know in the area where they wound up building uh, ILM. Skywalker Studio, All right. that's all in that region. That that part of northern California, but not San Francisco. It's a little further off, right. so it's a different part of California. But the, so it's not it's not Hollywood at right. all. It's,
1: but like yeah, so it's kind of you know it's not Hollywood, it's not San Francisco, it's just middle Cal, mi, middle America, California. But like yeah. so the girl the girl you're talking about, played by Candy Clark, right? Is um it seems like when when, when Toad meets her, um, she's already having a rough night, right? Like she's been yeah, he, she's been dumped by a boyfriend or something. You don't really know, but you know, when yeah. we meet her, she's like being catcalled by all these guys on the street and he almost like rescues her you know i like, can and like it plays that role for her and it's a sweet that's a sweet story and you're right like the liquor store scene you know pretty quickly she's like let's go get it you know let's get a drink he's like the hard stuff and so he goes hangs out at the liquor store that seems great trying to like work yeah, up it, the nerves and guy to get him booze
0: and, and you know it's yeah you know, now in you had to be 21 it was funny what so but when you see like say you know, Dazed and Confused, they moved it back to 18, and, you know, when, uh, you know, the, it's funny, they literally do a parallel scene with that, you know, where um, um, Mitch, you know, the uh, 14-year-old goes in and buys alcohol, not a single problem. It's kind of weird. Right. It's like the time, but, you know, in 62, the guy, you know, he, and he literally tries a bit where he's like, I'm going to buy several things to try to sneak the bottle, and he's like, you know, buy a comb, some batteries, bottle of a <laughs> for a classic, mean, like a classic. It's like he's rehearsed this in his head. He's never had the guts to do it. He's tried it, and you know, he, he says, "You know, he's outside. Like, well, my I lost my ID in a flood. You know, that's a. I mean, you know, guys have tried that for. You know, that's just a standard thing. I was like, well, I don't, I, I don't have my ID I left out in the car. Got to have the well, ID. <laughs> in,
1: in a lot of ways, that 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 has become a trope. You know, like that's like something that, like it. I can't count the number of movies that have a scene like that. But exactly. But like. You know, it's. I feel like you know, like George Lucas, invented, invented sort of invented a lot of things that became teen movie tropes. Yeah, and and like I'm trying to think of some other examples. I mean, like the scene, like the scene I started to talk. I talked about at first, where um, uh, Kurt ties up the cop car with the pharaohs. You know, and uh, yeah, like that's 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 been uh, referenced a lot. That scene in a lot of things. Yeah
0: it uh, one for justice, <laughs>
1: right?
0: Uh, and it's a great stunt too, because the—I mean, it's—it's uh, uh, it's just a—you know—a prank on a cop. You know, it's a cop the pharaohs don't like anyway. So, and it's his way of initiating into join the pharaohs. And how he joins the pharaohs is kind of hilarious too. He just kind of bumps into them after he's been kicked out of another girl's car. Uh, that you know, she was trying to hit on him, and he just—he's so trying to find the Susan Sarandon character. We never know her name. We never know anything about her other than uh, several people know who she is, and they're like, "No, she's not. She's not meant." For you, mean, su- you mean you <laughs> mean Suzanne
1: Summers, yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but you know,
1: like it's—it. I like that it's the first time I've watched this movie. I've seen this movie probably. I don't know three or four times and you know yeah. the first three viewings were all when i was in high school i watched i watched it like i remember yeah. watching it several times i just really loved it yeah. and um but this was the first time i think i really attached to the Kirk character the most and he's the him chasing that girl right that unattainable girl is sort of his metaphor about becomes a metaphor for like well i gotta that that's what kind of drives him to leave town not right? like if he finally makes the decision in the end because he's like
0: there's something, there's out, there something
1: out there for me i it's it's attainable there's something out there for me so um i really enjoyed that part of it now so we've talked about kurt we've talked about to- uh, terry the toad um we talk about uh, Steve, so Steve's kind of like in that mode. The Ron Howard character's in that mode of like, right, like got to break up with my girlfriend. Uh, you know, she's kind of just got my last
0: appearance at the high school. Right, I gotta
1: go show. That, we gotta go the prom, the prom king and queen. Right, they gotta yeah. go show one last time. But you know, she's that scene. Her her performance, Cindy Cindy Williams. Right. Sure. Yeah, who eventually become becomes Shirley. Shirley right. Shirley. So, like, her performance in that, in the scene where they're at the dance, and she kind of breaks down on him, is just awesome,
0: man.
1: She's great in this movie. She's-
0: yeah, and, and the thing is, like, Lucas tends to get a lot of slack for, like, women characters, but, I mean, he graded Princess Leia, and this this character is very much, extremely well-defined, you can tell. She's, like, well, she's in love with him. You know, she's also, you're younger than him, she's still got to finish high school, he's making you know his argument well you know i'm gonna be away in college we both shouldn't have to pine on each other which is kind of which is a selfish thing for him to do but yeah there's also some legit there's some legitimate argument like why yeah so he makes this argument that yeah they should just break up and get back together when he gets back but she's thinking he's not going to come back and he's in his mind i'm not going to come back too. you almost you can kind of tell he's like i got these plans once i get to college i'm done i'm never coming back here but as he's going through the night, he starts like, no, I don't want to. He starts He starts realizing how much he misses. He's going to miss this town. Right. Because he's the king of this right. town. Right. He's got nostalgia for the place. And he's come,
1: you know, he's come to, by the end of the movie, obviously, he, he's kind of, in, in a lot of, I don't know, there, there's an argument can be made that he's almost kind of manipulated to stay. Like he... It's it's like he doesn't really want to, but he does anyway, out of like a sense of duty. Well, as soon as he's like,
0: like when he gets, he's like looking for his, he runs up toad. Where's my car? Uh, (laughs) Tells like, oh, it's at home, and he immediately starting to, he he wants his car back. Yeah, that's the first thing he needs his car back. He wants his girlfriend back when he finds her in the car with Harrison Ford. By the way, we have not mentioned Harrison Ford the entire time. This was his breakout before even Han Solo was doing this movie. And Ford is Bob Falfa, which is, if you, it's an anagram for Boba Fett, but ironically enough, almost. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, but the Bob Falfa character, when he's in the car accident with her, he's immediately like, I, I won't leave you, I won't leave you. And it's like, you immediately realize, and, you know, does he make the right decision or does he make the wrong decision? Right. And,
1: you know, it's like, there's a reversal. It's, Steve is the, he's so sure of himself, he's so cocky. I'm out of this town. I want out of here, and he so quickly realizes, you know, he gave he gave toad his car. He, he 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 ends up wanting it back. He he breaks up with his girlfriend. He when once he feels the pain of you know her moving on, he wants her back, and it's like he just can't let go of the place. And it's understandable, you know, like that stuff happens. I mean, I I remember feeling like I went away to college and and feeling like, man, I ended up coming back home after one year of college because I just, I missed my people, I missed where I was comfortable, and I had to kind of grow up a little bit more even by the time I was 20, I finally decided, okay, yeah, I gotta get out of this town, this town's holding me back. And, you know, that's what the character comes to realize. So these are things that, like, I think we all come to realize like as we get older. it's a great way to tell a story about how you see yourself in the past.
0: Hey. hey. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what happened. We lost each other for a second there. I guess we had some... Either my Wi-Fi's uh, crashed or something, but... All yeah. right. Yeah, but, yeah, we're back.
1: Um, did, did you see where I was... Uh, do you you know where I was? I was right in the middle of... The top you were talking. Talk, you are
0: talking about just coming... Uh, the idea is, like going, uh, you gotta leave this town and stuff. So, you know, it's like, I, I, and the thing is, I completely agree, I've never, you know, like I, I grew up in, you know, Maryville it's definitely a town stuck in a certain time period, I've never gone back, you know it's kind of like, yeah, you know, every character yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't move that far away but the point is, like, I've never, I don't want to go back to that town. You know? Right, like, and I
1: was talking I, about yeah, I was talking about Lucas's strength as a filmmaker and the fact that, like, this being a very really like really a tight story about memory and like how you remember yourself as a as a teenager and this being like this the impetus of this movie being um a challenge from coppola right who recognized lucas's talent um as a filmmaker after thx 1138 which is a movie i still have never seen but i understand to be kind of esoteric and you know very sci-fi and not very accessible and it didn't really do well with audiences
0: it, it's and, it's, right? a, it's something to watch but I I mean I don't own it guy yeah, I've seen it a couple times it's it's very it's very uh, it's fascinating like it's very Kubricking kind of film. Like if you watch it, you'll see Stanley Kubrick's all over that film. So.
1: Right, but Coppola's is like, look, man, that's a great. You have a vision. You're you're clearly a great filmmaker. What if you made a movie that audiences would actually like, right? And, well,
0: like, and the thing is, this is like Lucas also like. I don't want to when he was like, I'm gonna make a movie that's not that's not about, that's not about, it's a character base, because he got criticized for THX not having character development, and it's, it's a very, it's very, very, I wouldn't call it, like, you know, dry, but it's, it's very, like, emotionally, you know, opaque for, you know, specific reasons, if you see the movie, you'll understand, he couldn't write, write detailed characters, because the way the film, the theme of the film, but yeah. So this one, he he's like, I'm gonna make a movie with characters uh, where it's all characters. It's not about the special. There's no special effects in this movie. It's all just a straight. you know, It's a very very tight movie. He made it intentionally, you know, as tight as could be.
1: Right. And he knows. I mean, in, but like you know, clearly, like he knows how to be like like a simple storyteller. You know, <laughs> like like the story. The story of Star Wars is great. You know, like he he goes to make star wars and it's not it's not outrageously complex it's like a lot of stories we know you know but it like his his he was able to finally like it's like star wars is the baby that american graffiti and thx 1138 made to get you know like it yeah he gets the technical visual sort of genius mixed with a story that feels familiar and that audiences like with characters that are well built and well established and 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 that we love you know we love hans yeah. polo we love luke skywalker we um uh, we love princess leia and, the, and we love r2d2 and 3po so like he's he was able to create these great characters and so this was like his way to that i think right yeah. like, okay yeah. a lot of make are, a visually spectacular sci-fi movie i can build now i can build great characters and and now i and then i can put them together and he makes the biggest movie ever made so yeah
0: and i think about like uh so america graffiti was a massive box office hit, despite the fact that it was like universal didn't think it would make much money they put it out and it just kills at the box office it's, it's one of the highest grossing films of the 70s you're talking about american yes.
1: american graffiti american
0: 50, yeah oh yeah dude, i was just looking at the box office on it
1: budget the budget was under a million seven hundred thousand yeah box office 140 million dollars
0: yeah and that's in 1973 dollars so yeah. it just played. Pe- everybody went saw it. the album the soundtrack sold crazy it caused a huge revival for a lot of these acts for that time period and the thing is, it was a cult, and it led to Happy Days. It's a cultural, like, moment of the of, of all time. You know?
1: And it puts Wolfman Jack on the map, you know? Like, yeah. I remember, see, that's the thing my dad always talked, remembered about this movie, was he he, like, he was all into Wolfman Jack, yeah. um, who was actually, you know, a real-life DJ, um, who, you know, I don't know if my dad, even, like, either actually remembered him, or it was just that was the part of the movie that, Stuck with him but you know the scene where Kurt has his breakthrough and finally makes it makes it up to the radio station, try to find, try to get, try
0: know, to this, find Wolfman, trying to see he's if 30... Wolfman
1: Jack actually was there and if he could get this message out uh, to the blonde uh, in the T-bird. Um, it, it it really like Wolfman Jack is like kind of the with he's the, the, wind the right. He's the yeah, the man behind the curtain. He's the one that's. Literally driving the plot of this movie with the music, um, and so and and I love that this movie is—it's pr- got to be one of the first uh, to use popular music not only on as soundtrack like Scorsese had done with Mean Streets, but also um, the the kind of like where the, where the music is actually partially source music. Right? It's, so. coming, it's That's coming from so. car radios. It's coming from the drive-in yeah. uh, diner um speakers it's coming from the radio station it's coming from so i mean like it's it's just a really like it's how i experienced my youth right how how i remember my youth (laughs) this movie timeless even though it is a very specific very you know very white bread kind of time period
0: yeah, and the thing is, uh, it's definitely a soul movie too. So, I mean, that's the thing that I love about this movie is that everything has a certain theme, a certain way of doing things. So, it's like, and it, it you know, I love scenes like where Toad is trying to pick, you know, trying to drive around trying to pick people. Like they play, "Why do fools fall in love?" You know, it, yeah. it, 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 The songs kind of, kind of sink a little bit to what the theme of the of the scene is. Not, it's not, it's not narrating what's going on, but it kind of goes along, you picked pick those songs for those scenes because it fit the theme, the emotional theme.
1: Right, there's the scene where the Beach Boys, uh, there's a Beach Boys song playing, yeah. and then soon after that you go back to the, to the Hot Rod with John. And, and he's complaining about the Beach Boys. And he's complaining about the Beach Boys, right? And, and she has that line, Mackenzie Phillips has that line about, oh, you don't like the Beach Boys? The Beach Boys are boss or whatever. I can't remember what the other she's like comparing another group
0: yeah, and the thing is, uh, she uh, and he's like, nah, man, Rock and Roll's been going down since Buddy Holly. And exactly. goes, that's only three years before for them, but that line's been going on. It's like, Rock and Roll's been dead since uh, John Lennon. Rock and Roll's been dead since Kirk. Co-. I mean, it's like, that line is a constant, that, that argument, like, Rock and Roll's been dead for so long. And, you know, you could say, it, you know, it's 2020. Rock and Roll's kind of been in, kind of in a uh, tailspin for a couple of decades now. At least that's my opinion. But, right. but you know, I can't imagine that conversation being had before that time,
1: you know what I mean. And, and like, what and
0: what hasn't happened yet? It's 1962. The Beatles haven't even it, grown yet.
1: exactly. And so it's so like this movie. It, it's like it either it either wrote the future or it saw the future. You know, like in that in the way that the teenagers were connecting to music, the way they would continue to. And given that it's so close, you know, the movie's made. This movie comes out in 1973. It's set. Eleven years earlier, you know, so, that's such a short period of time, yeah. Where so much had evolved that even even an audience in 1973 would just be totally hung on that, especially yeah. that, that kind of conversation about music. And, and
0: the thing is, the Beatles have come and broken up in the time between the movies yes. set and yes. when it's and like I said, yeah, you know, it's a time where there's no British rock and roll. There is, you know, it's like it's you know, and it's such a unique bit. Of, it's one of those bits where you're like. He complains about the Beast Boys. The Beast Boys were a huge band. And he's like, oh, I don't like surf rock. Right. But surf rock in '962 is starting to become a thing. So he's mad about the time period. And I guess we should finally bring up the final shot, which I've always thought is one of the most fascinating indies of all movies, which is, okay, so, you know, we gone through this whole, it's the, you know, the movie kind of ends right after this car crash where Bob Alpha and uh, Milner have, have raced. Bob's car flips. Fortunately, he, neither him nor I mean, he gets hurt a little bit, but uh, 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 Cindy uh, Williams character, Lori, she doesn't Lori. Get badly hurt. yeah, Lori doesn't get Lori, you can tell, kind of just gets scared. She might get a little hurt, but yeah, she, uh, she uh, is scared to death. Steve runs to her, he agrees not to leave, he's gonna stay with her, and then we cut to uh, Kirk getting on the plane and leaving, and as he flies off, we of course see the car that. The girl he's been looking for is driving literally parallels, almost like she's been this angel trying to make sure he leaves. And then we got this title card. And the title cards, I think, is the most fascinating bit because so we find out what happened to each one of them. So Milner dies in a car accident in 1964, he's killed by a drunk driver. Steve is married and ha- is like an work insurance Works in, Working in insurance, right? Yeah. He's selling insurance, and in, you know, still living in the same town. Toad is missing an action in Vietnam. Right. And Kirk is living in Canada. Why is he in Canada? Well, it's obvious. He's a draft dodger. Ah. Yeah, it's because in 73, there were a lot of guys still had fled to Canada rather than get drafted, because by 1970 you had that famous draft lottery, and a lot of guys moved to Canada.
1: Yes. The, the note about him going to Canada, I don't know how, why that did not connect to me. There's because there's a whole... Um, here I am with the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary. Again, but There's like a whole portion of one of the episodes that talks about all the guys that, that left and went to Canada. Um, so yeah, that's, that makes perfect sense. I ne- did yeah. not think of that.
0: And the thing is that it's a very specific thing. You know, if you don't know... If you don't get it, you don't get it. But he put that in there because he was mad that there's a lot of guys having... To, they, they've gone to Canada and they, come, they can't come back. They're, it's at this point now, by 77... Carter actually um, pardons all draft dodgers, so a bunch of guys moved back from Canada, or at least some do. Some had to stay there because, or they've been there so long they they never came back. But the point is, he pardons all these guys who uh, who uh, had gone to Canada because that was their only option. They didn't want to go to Vietnam. They were drafted. They refused to to show up. So yeah, I mean that's what it's such a powerful message because okay, one's dead. One, you know, got married and you know, is still living there. One went to Vietnam, and we never we never saw him again. And the last one, ref- the one who left, you know, he- he's hiding in Canada. It's it's a, got a huge. I mean, the mo- Vietnam is actually all over this movie, without it actually being existing. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's so interesting. I don't I don't know why I wasn't looking at it in that way, but that's so interesting that you say that. Um. But man, I, I really like it. this movie is just one of those completely rewarding experiences. Exactly. Like, like I, every any, I don't, can't imagine anybody not liking this movie. Uh, we, you know, we talked a lot about last uh, last week. We talked about almost famous and how there's kind of there. There's a thread of people that there's a kind of a thin thread of people who really connect to that movie, uh, and it failed at the box office, obviously, right? This movie is. It it, it it it's more widely, I think, appreciated because it feels more like the actual teenage experience of almost everybody, you know? You can see yourself in this movie. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, given the state of, you know, kind of race and things like that we're talking about these days, there's not a black person to be seen in this movie, no. uh, which, which is... We and, edges this out he, of the
0: times, right? Yeah, and, and he admitted, like, he tried to figure out how to incorporate some African-American actors, but it's also a town, it's just, it, he's also like, well, this is also how that town was. There was hardly any African-Americans in the town, and it's it's kind of an interesting point, which is, sixty two, or we're kind of the beginning of, civ- of major civil rights, you know, protesting, but there's also... You know, suburbs, you know, the sub, a lot of these suburban towns had a, were basically the centers of white flight. So, right. And this, is,
1: this, and this is also California, right, too. So, you know, Jim Jim Crow wasn't necessarily uh, too major in California, right? That was more of a uh, southern, eastern thing. I mean, obviously, there was, I'm sure there was plenty of I mean, racism and white supremacy and segregation. Well, we're well, only, but,
0: I mean, that town's only about 50 miles away from Oakland. So, that's sort of the, but that's also the point being is like it it's kind of a nature it's not there but it's you can just tell it's reference because all on half the music I listen to are African-American artists
1: right and 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 and, you know like this is a vision of like I'm saying like I I think no matter who you are you can see yourself in one of these characters it doesn't matter when you grew up if you have been a teenager. You're gonna see something of yourself somewhere in the movie, and 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 like and that is something that clearly. Like a movie like Almost Famous, which is a great coming of age story and very musically driven, it can't do that because it's no. about such a specific experience.
0: And the thing is, this is it's a it's a time period also that's like very different. Like you know, I graduated from high school in '97. You know, uh, a lot of my friends we all kind of spe- separated literally at, at graduation. We didn't have that last night party because it was just something that didn't exist then. You know, we ha- we occasionally would hang out after. We, during like breaks or stuff like that you know, of course being that you know it was the 90s we, we hung out and played video games rather than uh, go driving around because it just wasn't something we did you know the the whole culture of driving around and cruising was kind of a lost culture by that point it's you know that, that whole you know by the time we get to certain periods of time there's just themes that are gone.
1: Right. Well when I grew up you know I mean I grew up here in Clinton and you know like we didn't there's not like a b- big strip you can drive no, up and exactly down i mean, like I mean. it's it's like you just like by the time we were growing up like all we could do around here was just drive out drive around out on the back roads and smoke cigarettes and act like idiots or whatever you know yeah so, or you
0: can know, hang out at somebody's house just because that was your next option
1: right so so like that was the uh, that's the big difference obviously time period wise but even still like man, i mean i have plenty of memories like this you know of Uh, Being a teenager, chasing that girl that I wish I could have and I never have a shot with. Being a teenager and, you know, trying to act cooler and more tough than I actually really am, like the John character, right? Or, you know, trying to act like Mr. Badass, the hometown boy and like, look at me. I am kind of, I kind of did become a Steve sort of character. I wasn't Mr. Big Man on campus growing up, but I I was, you know, I felt comfortable in my town and, and and I did come back to it know so it, it it's there's there's something of yourself in this movie and i, yeah. I really i really love it man it's a beautiful yeah. fun funny um kind of heartfelt yeah. it's, heartfelt very, it's
0: a very thing. funny movie too it's the comedy bits in here are you know george lucas had he had some co-writers but you know the, he took their script and kind of threw out you know kept a little bit and they still got a credit screen credit and interesting, the the couple that worked on screenplay he then produced Howard the Duck. They they made Howard the Duck. So this movie actually led to Howard the Duck of all films getting made. Um, but uh, yeah, he, it's mostly his script, his dialogue, his script. And it's like just those little details like when they had that little ma- minor fender bend where Toad hits the guy's car. Right. He's like, uh, oh, uh, the guy's like, well, we need to. He goes, oh, well, uh, don't worry. I won't report you this time. He jumps in the car and drives. Off <laughs> his car's not. He's, there's no damage to his car. So the other guy's car is damaged.
1: Yeah. Right. And, no, and the, it, this exchange yeah like this exchange right here we talked about earlier but i'll I'll read it because it's hilarious um and so john turns off the radio and carol says why'd you do that he says i don't like that surfing shit rock and roll's been going downhill ever since buddy holly died don't you think the beach boys are boss (laughs) you would you grungy little twerp." i love that i love their dynamic that, those two performances are great paul Amott is a is a really good actor that i i kind of wish had had more to do his i think his biggest claim to fame is the is that he's the star of melvin and howard have you ever seen that the jonathan Debbie. yeah good movie. movie
0: very good movie great yeah.
1: movie great
0: great kind of peaked unfortunately in the mid-70s like this yeah. this movie set him off. and he did several movies but it's just kind of he just never had that yeah. He never had that big movie. You know, Richard Dreyfuss does this one, and then two years later has Jaws, and his career goes boom for sure. Yeah, you know, Ron Howard gets this, he then does Happy Days, and his career starts to go boom. I, As Cindy Williams gets Laverne and Shirley; her career goes up. I, I Charles love Charles. Yeah, Charles Martin Smith kind of becomes one of those that guys in a lot of movies for a long period of time. Yeah, I, I
1: love, um, I love Richard. I love seventies Dreyfuss man. Oh yeah, he he is just magnetic. I don't know it's so odd that a guy like a guy like him who's um uh, you know he's a handsome guy but he's kind of he's in he's got an interesting demeanor and in the way you know the way he speaks and things like that he but he just he blew and blew it up in the same Yeah, match.
0: you believe that you, uh, yeah, he's probably a little bit too old to pull off uh, 18. Yeah. But you believe he was this guy in high school that he was like he was the smart guy, he was the the he was the nice guy. Everybody liked hanging around him. He you know, it's just like he didn't really do anything dang, risky cuz he just didn't it wasn't his his style. You know, John was the wild friend of his. He was yeah. He's the best friend to all. like all of them He's their best friend. He's not like, they're not all, they're all friends, but although you see Milner and Toad have a really special bond too. That's the kind of little brother, big brother relationship they have. Like when Toad gets beat up, Milner's the one who rescues him. Right. And, you know, he's like, let me go with you to the race. He's like, you know, he always, he considered Milner, Toad probably, Kurt's probably his closest friend, but uh, Toad is Milner's the guy he he wants to he always feel, he always wants to keep around like he, he knows Toad will, will go to Bat for him right meanwhile yeah. Kurt will be the one who always tries to talk him out of something
1: exactly and I love those I, I love those dynamics I mean that's realistic in and of yeah. itself when you think about a group of friends and when you think about how, how George Lucas sort of divided himself among the four characters that's even cooler yeah because we all have a little bit of all those things in, in us um, uh, and we bring the, and hopefully we have the right group of friends that brings the best things out in us, you know?
0: Yeah. And I guess one last thing we should probably bring up is, uh, just a couple of, uh, specific things. Okay. So this movie makes, launches Harrison Ford's career. He'd been a carp, as the old story was, he was a carpenter. He wasn't getting, you know, he'd given up on acting and Lucas had seen him doing some carpentry work and thought he looked cool enough to pull off the part of, uh. Of Bob Falfa, which is basically the he's he's not even a villain. He's just he's Milner's, uh nemesis, like the guy that's going to beat him for the is the best drag guy. And yeah. he literally, as Milner says at the end of the car uh, race, he, goes, he had me beat. He's like, I my I was my foot was at the bottom of the pedal. I couldn't. Keep, his car was better than mine. You know, if he hadn't flipped the car, he would have he would have lost for real. Right. And it's, it's a nice little warning for Milner that hey my time's already up i'm uh, you know i'm on borrowed time right and the fact it's interesting you know, then they reveal he's dead two years later you know he doesn't make it to he doesn't even make it out of you know, the mid 60s yeah and it's kind of it's kind of tragic but it also it's that there are people that's that was the you know uh i had a professor in college we talked about this movie because he was teaching a class on teen films ironically enough and dr richardson literally said you know, I graduated in 64, I was like, yeah, so did my dad, and he was like, yeah, most people in the 62 class, they, you know, he's like, some were dead, some, did, they didn't make it past a certain point, it's just kind of unique bit, there's all, I remember in my high school class, there were a few of the wild kids, they didn't make it out of the 90s, sure. just, it, that's just kind of how the how things go, and the film does a really good job about it. Now, are you familiar with the sequel? I, I know it exists.
1: I've never seen it, and I don't really know that I ever will.
0: Yeah, Nora America Graffiti is an interest. Now, I will say this: it's a very interesting film for what they tried to do. So, uh, Lucas produced it. He worked on the screenplay, but he didn't write it. But they had this unique twist. So, the idea is it's set uh, it's set on New Year's Eve, but in separate years. So each each character is. So you got uh, four characters. Each one have their own story, but they're set in different years. And as a gimmick, each one's filmed differently. So Milner's is the day before he dies. His is set; they shoot his in, in like a a cheesy, like low-budget film stock, like it's like a uh, like a Roger Corman low-budget film. His is entirely him uh, being a drag racer try, uh, on the drag strip, try a real a real drag racer, also trying to get this girl to go out with him. Toad's story is set in Vietnam. Uh, on the day before he is missing in action. And it's him trying to hurt himself so he gets sent home. And it's shot like a Vietnam documentary, kind of, which is what Apocalypse Now was originally gonna be intended by George Lucas. Uh, uh, Richard Drivers didn't agree to come back, so they made Cindy Williams' character, the main, uh, and Steve, you find their their marriage is on the rocks. She runs away from him, go meet up with her younger brother who is getting involved in the Vietnam conflict, and that's in 68. Eight and then we cut sixty-nine, which is Candy Clark's character and Mackenzie Phillips' character are living together, and they're trying to make it as singers in San Francisco. And that shot, like Woodstock, crazy visuals and just nuttiness. So it's it's such a weird. That
1: thing. is crazy, man.
0: Yeah, and and here's the thing: some of the characters pop up in all the other sequences, but it, it's so weird. So you, you get these, and there's some a couple twists. I'm like, I don't, I they shouldn't have included like that. Toad didn't go, miss, didn't die in Vietnam. He faked his death. Right. Yeah, but the, the I just like the fact that you have this. Rev- I think the ending alone is, I think the per- one of the perfect endings. You get exactly what you need to know about these characters. Right. One point you get to find out, hey, the '60s were not good on any of them.
1: Right. And that's kind of, you know, the bittersweet thing about it is like, you are right. Like this, the early '60s setting before, before everything blew up like in the next year or two, Vietnam's gonna happen, civil rights. Kenny's assassinated. Yeah, the
0: human happens literally uh right you know right after this. It's like he literally picked a date that would be right before everything that the 60s really begins. Yeah. And it's it's such a unique like I said, for anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it. It's such a great slice of life film. It's but it's more important. It's a it's one the, it's I call it the best coming age film because all coming age films after that basically borrow from this movie oh yeah that's
1: what i was saying earlier for sure you see like that's what i was saying like did he invent did he invent the future or did you know and, that, and like um and, and it, you think about movies like like i mentioned like um or even if you just think of like the one night high school movie like you got uh, good lord Daisy confused confuse you got a uh, super bad which is yep. one of my all timers. Uh, yeah, you got um, uh, kind of not a great movie, but a movie I loved when I was a teenager, which is can't hardly wait.
0: Yep, that's um, that's another, uh, and, and they all. It's the idea. It's the last night. Yeah, you know, so it's our last night to, or our night to become who we are. You know, right. And so,
1: I, I so I just I love it, man. I, it's it's it is absolutely. If you love movies, you have to see this movie. You know, if, like, if we so if, if we got a yeah, teenager, if we've got a teenager out there listening, watch mm-hmm. this movie today. You know, yeah. So, so
0: yeah, look it out. You know, it's it's a it's a movie worth watching. I mean, if you think it's a little dated, it's it has to be dated. It's intentionally for a time period that doesn't. You know, that you know, it's from a time period that's almost you know, it's over almost sixty years ago now. Yeah,
1: I'd love so, to yeah. watch this with a teenager. A kid who's a teenager now, and see how they respond to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember in high school in uh, uh, my U.S. history class, the teacher for extra credit would have us come after school and watch like a, uh, as a group, watch like a, a movie of a time period we were doing. Her, her, la- the last one we did was this film, and she was cracking up because it was like that. You know, she was in high school when this movie, uh, you know, was set, so she was talking, like, joking about like that's Her husband had that exact car. You know, had that, uh, uh Beetle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, you know, and you know, just those little details. And I was like, my dad had that. Ex- my dad had the exact same car that Milner drove because, yeah, because yeah, he was into he. Uh, he and my uncle would buy you know, beat up cars and strip them down and make them into or you know, dragsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was their thing. They loved doing that, and that's why my dad loved this movie. He, he and I would watch it all the time, and every year on Father's Day, I try to watch it too because it's awesome. It's such a perfect movie about really what it's like just to be you know to figure out what you want in life and you know mm-hmm. honestly none of them really do figure out what they want in life but they figure out they, they figure out some things about their lives yeah is your, da, your, is dad,
1: is your dad still with us
0: no he uh, passed away in 2004 he had uh, multiple my dad uh Never the best car driver he had 14 car accidents, 12 concussions, and a multiple sclerosis diagnosis on top of everything. Oh, man.
1: Well, I'm sorry so
0: to hear that. Yeah, my... in early 50s, but you know, and he was not exactly he. You know, he's definitely a guy who enjoyed the 70s and the 80s too much. So that's kind of it's not really surprised that he loved this kind of movie because it's definitely you know for a stereotypical boomer, this would be this, this is their glory film. Yeah, you know, my dad had a lot of memories about this
1: movie too. Uh, i remember growing up my dad graduated was like 18 when this movie came out he, okay so, so this like he,
0: this is that movie for him
1: exactly So like he would have he probably saw this movie yeah. as at, like right around the time he was graduating from high school um that's when it would have been in theater so i'm sure he saw it and i remember him talking about it his thing was always the music and the wolfman jack stuff that he always talked about you know my mom liked this movie too she's and she's quite a bit younger uh she wasn't born until the, until like 59 so she was you know obviously missed this part of missed the 60s she was just a kid but um you know like it, it is it is a movie that like as a parent i i would like to pass it down and to my to my son one day and 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 you know my dad passed away a few years ago as well and uh, you know, I, I I like to connect back with the things that he loved. It makes really makes brings me back to him. You know, so this is yeah. one of those movies too. It's very nostalgic.
0: Yeah, and the, like I said, it's it's a it's a perfect kind of movie that there's not the hangups are not really hang-ups. It's like any complaint you would have about the movie is like, well, how would you change it? The, I I can't see anything I would change. I mean, some like the the women are actually written really well. Like they're not. They're not. Yeah, you know, they're actually giving a lot of. These are really well written women characters. These are well written male characters. Yeah, you know, Mackenzie Phillips is like, you would say that that relationship's kind of troublesome, but it's also played up in the fact that he didn't want her in the car. He didn't try to pick her. Well, up. he's
1: just such an absolute like good guy. You know, like he. Like, you think, you get the, you know, the idea early on that he's just some dirtbag out looking for, for uh yeah out looking for a piece not. or whatever. And, you know, he gets stuck with the, he, he's obviously, he's trying to hit on those girls. And they're like, oh, what's your name's sister wants to come and, uh, come ride with you. And he's like, all right, send her over. I'll drive anybody's sister. Over. Who cares? And
0: they did, that is, they ditched her to get rid of her. Right. But
1: so they're trying to dump her off and he ends up yes. there, but he's so, but he just ends up being so good. You know and they they end up you know basically becoming friends and that's
0: that's a beautiful- it's a health it's a friendship too it's funny that later on she in the sequel the idea is that her and candy clark so the idea is she stayed around with them as friends for for the rest of the, the you know for deck for like the rest of the decade decades sure. and and it's kind of it's like i said, it's one of the things um yeah you could say that's a little trouble that's, they play it down very carefully. Oh, it, yeah. It's true that she's complaining. Yeah, he's complaining about the Beach Boys, or she's in the Beach Boys. Her sister is China Phillips. China Phillips is then in Wilson Phillips with uh, Brian Wilson's sure. daughter. I mean, no. <laughs> it's just one of those weird little details yeah she
1: was living the 60s lifestyle as a teenager with her parent. yeah i mean like oh, she yeah. was she, had, she we don't have to get
0: into that she had, yeah, yeah, she yeah. Had a it, if you want to read about life. every it's like it's, it's troubled people it's Mackenzie phillips's life yeah it's so, yeah. it's it's
1: a very very dark uh we don't have to talk about yeah it. But no, no. a no, couple but googles yeah, if you fact want
0: yeah and, and I loved also that he finally figures out how to get rid of her. He's like, okay, if I start hitting on her, she'll run away, She'll finally leave. He, he finally figures out, oh, that's what, and it's like, you know, he didn't want it. It's like, okay, that was his last story, and it worked. He's like, I need to get her out of my car. Right. And, and I like the fact that you can tell he's got a conscience. You know, I have mo you know, like, it's funny. Like, he's probably got, he's got his head on his shoulders way more than anybody else throughout the movie. Yeah. And but like I said, it's one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, watch it. It is so much fun. You'll you'll uh, you'll really appreciate it. if you're a music fan. Watch it just for just if you love cinematography, Haxel Wexler, gorgeous cinematography. And this film's unique also in that Lucas's budget, you know, we point out was you know it was seven hundred thousand dollars. It's pretty that's a lot of money to shoot a movie, but it was still not enough that he could afford to pay half his crew. So he gave them all credits. Now, back in the sixties and seventies, if you were like a camera you didn't get credit on the film, you just had to put the, "I worked you, you that you may have worked in this film." But they all got credits, and that led to basically everyone getting credits in movies from that point on. So he basically he broke old old Hollywood standards by giving everybody official credits in the credits. That's awesome. Yeah, so, man, yeah but I
1: agree one hundred percent. Great movie. Everybody go watch it if
0: you haven't. Rewatch it if you have seen it. Man, it's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been uh, the good, the bad, and the nerdy movie podcast. This is I'm counting. Actually, in my opinion, this is a nerdy movie, and I you know we're going to count it as a it's a good and nerdy movie. But really, it's, as my daughter said, yeah, it's a nerdy movie. So uh, the movie's American Graffiti. Uh, it's from director George Lucas. If you've not seen it, look it up. Uh, and uh, Kevin, you got any last words?
1: No, man. Do uh, love just love it. Go see it. Watch it. It's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I had to. Uh, he didn't have a copy, so I loaned him my copy. It's not a. It's you can't find it anywhere for some reason. It's very hard to get right now. Yeah, and,
1: and thanks. Thanks for that, by the way, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It look yeah, the Blu-ray looks great.
0: Oh yeah, like yeah. If you can get the Blu-ray edition, it's so cleaned up.